an hour away and we're going to go visit them. That'll be about it. Decompress. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's exciting. And that's the adrenaline of entrepreneurship right there. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> mellow out and decompress. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. Awesome, man. Um, so one of the, one of the things I heard you say in the, <clears throat> that episode I was listening to, let me find it again. It was the unlock your true value. Um, mm -hmm. You were talking about being your best self, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of that concept. You talked about impacting as many lives as possible as well. Uh, where does that, where did that drive come from? Man, that is a, a great question. I think that I ended up, um, I was a, an only child and very much an introvert my entire life and knew that I wanted to do something big and was meant for more. And as I started to progress in my career, I started thinking about, okay, I, I've been able to learn how to do all of these things. Can I help others do that? And once I started to learn how to help others do that, I realized how powerful and fulfilling it is and decided that I wanted to try to positively impact as many lives as possible. And so now that that's really my mission and purpose is to try to help build and develop and positively influence as many people as possible. Awesome. What, what are um, <clears throat> three of the most overlooked tools um, used to help positively impact people? Well, I think social media is one that is probably, uh, we'll say, misused a little bit. Uh, I think that, that it, it is very, uh, it can be addicting social and media. is very dangerous if you're not intentional about how you use social media. Because the way the algorithms are designed, they are, well, they are built to lock you into the platform. And they do that by tugging on our lizard brain and, and putting things in front of us that are, will make us emotional because we just stay focused and locked into the platform. And so you constantly have to be cognizant of that. And you have to be intentional about anytime something like that does pop up in your feed to mm -hmm. block it, unfollow it, remove it. And make sure that when you go to the platform that you are there to consume the right type of content and information to make yeah. yourself better. The other challenge is a yep. lot of that content isn't always as engaging, so it doesn't get pushed out in front of as many people as you would like. And so there's this constant push and pull. But I think social media is, is a very powerful tool that is often overlooked. It can be mm -hmm. extremely beneficial, especially, when it, especially whenever it comes to impact at scale Dude. because it's free. Well said. In fact, uh, I, got a, I got a friend who said, Jackson, I'm tired of Facebook. The only thing I ever see on Facebook is boobs. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I felt bad for him. I was, you know, he, he openly admits that, right? And I'm like, dude, I was like, I want you to look at my Facebook feed and see what you see. And he sees entrepreneur ad, entrepreneur ad, entrepreneur ad, babies, yep. um, you know, family stuff. And I'm like, it's feeding you what you consume, what you. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly at, right <laughs> and, and that's one tool what's another what's another give me give me two more what's two more oh, tools man. to help us drive impact in the world i think Overload. media is the is the the biggest one and we could do different subsets of like social media linkedin yeah. instagram things like that uh medium is the biggest one to help us uh impact at scale um Medium. So when you, you're talking about medium.com? No, 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 no. Uh, the different mediums. Medium. So you can have okay. social media. You can I guess have, have to argue about that later, but <laughs> no, 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 no. The dot no. com. Got um, you. You know, YouTube is another one. I mean, I think there, yeah. there's uh, YouTube and podcasts and social media. I think if we just want to answer the three, those yeah. are all extremely powerful if used intentionally and, and you know what you're doing and how to navigate through them. But to your point, most people are not cognizant of how those tools operate and work and yeah. are not aware that the platform is just feeding them more of whatever keeps them locked in. 
Absolutely. And, and where know, did you get thing, this like, logo? This Wolf logo that's super cool behind you? How, yep. how the heck did you get that? I started just kind of mock. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? Welcome into another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. And I'm excited to have Sean Barnes on today. Sean Barnes and I, we're going to be talking about leadership development, culture, and coaching. Uh, he's had He has a unique privilege of having started his own business and transferring slowly into the entrepreneurship realm. Now, I, I say slowly. He didn't spend 30 years making that transition. Um, but so many people feel like you got to just like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, get started. There are so many different ways you can go about the process of making that transition. I've really enjoyed listening to his podcast as well. So we might be talking about some of the challenges and opportunities that exist in the podcast development world. The way of the wolf is the podcast name. So by the way, it's like, I know some people are like, why would you talk about that as a podcast host? Why would you drive people to, to other channels? Well, like it's okay that Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel get along. Just saying, um, like it's okay to bring build friendships. One of my favorite examples of that when I was paying attention to strategy was when Darren Hardy came out with the book, The Compound Effect, and the forward was written by Tony Robbins. And I was like, huh, I bet Tony didn't pay for that. Um, not, not for Darren Hardy. I bet Darren Hardy was excited and Tony was excited because they share audiences that are so similar. And the collaboration that would exist to bring them more to the center of attention, like, hey, we really do support each other phenomenal opportunities. If you live with a scarcity mindset as a visionary, if you're scared to share your vision with others or put it out there, maybe consider the quality of people that you have in your life and consider trying to find people who are more abundant, like the Tony Robbins and Darren, Darren Hardy's of the world. Um, so with that said, before I bring Sean on, I always want to give a shout out to the sponsors because these are absolutely phenomenal resources that we support and love. Patrick Creighton has launched this program called Laid Back Languages. And he can help people learn languages super fast. I'm very impressed with Patrick. I speak Spanish fluently. A lot of my team only speaks Spanish. It gives me a competitive edge in the market to be able to do that. Uh, one thing y'all may not know about me is I actually learned Spanish and became fluent in four and a half months, pretty much from scratch. I mean, I was in Spanish but I, in, in high school, but I sat next to Jesus and he helped me on everything. Um, I didn't understand conjugation, all that. What that's done for me from opening up the possibilities and the ability to hire my own time zone in different countries too, uh, it's, it's a massive blessing. And in a world that's becoming more integrated and you know we have more opportunities throughout, it's not a bad idea to work with somebody on your language learning opportunities as well. I'm not some super genius. I used the dictionary, read the heck out of all those words um, and just worked my little tail off for four and a half months and learned some secrets. Why is that important? Because Patrick follows a lot of the same principles I followed to learn that fast. Detail Publishing is the other sponsor that I want to talk about. Detail Publishing, uh, most of you have a book within you. You have a desire to publish or you have content you're trying to get out there. And they say content's king. Content's trash. Great content is king. You've got to have something that's written well. Um, once working with a company that wanted to make sure their blogs were all 900 words deep because that's what Google recommended. Google doesn't care how long your content is. It cares about how valuable your content is. The algorithm's smarter than that. It knows to recognize what people love, like about the content, what they're sharing. And Ashley Dedeo is the best research and development person I've ever met. She's so good at producing content, both in terms of of really sophisticated content, such as on like finances. And, and um, she even wrote the book on world schooling. Um, and she wrote a book called Wallace the Westie for, for children about a little girl receiving a puppy for Christmas last year. She is one of my absolute favorite entrepreneurs to work with. She's one of my favorite people of all time. I got a big family. Uh, Ashley's on the front end of my favorite people, even with the family size that I have. So I just can't speak highly enough of her. And if you're an entrepreneur trying to produce content or trying to get a book published, She's the go-to source that I highly recommend. Then there's the water project. I'll end on this fairly quickly today to get into Sean's uh, what Sean's up to, but the water project, if you're in a position to be able to give back, please consider helping these children, these families gain access to clean drinking water. There are millions of people who do not have that basic luxury going into the Christmas season. 
uh, one of the best things we can do is give back. Sometimes the only way we can give is just sharing the word and hoping that somebody hears what we're talking about and decides to contribute to it. Had that great experience the other day with Dax, uh, who was on our show, Dax Stanley, uh, happened to share this live and he went and he contributed while we were on the show and sent me the screenshot afterwards of having contributed. Again, that just gets me jazzed and inspired to share more. If there's a cause that you're aware of, maybe it's something your family's going through and you would like to see us potentially give to that, just drop the link in the comments. We always monitor comments, see who's asking questions, who's promoting things, et cetera. And if your cause is something that we also believe in, we might bring it on to Vision Pros and talk about that too. We got 8 billion people in the world to help. And uh, those of us who are in a position to be able to do so, we have not only a responsibility, but an amazing opportunity to do so. So without further ado, Sean Barnes, founder of WSS Solutions, podcast host of The Way of the Wolf. Welcome to Vision Pros Live, man. I'm so happy to have you here. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I'm really looking in, looking forward to diving into this conversation with you today. It's going to be fun. So it is. I, I didn't, I didn't dive into WSS solutions and what you do there <clears throat> to be honest with you and the audience, the mechanics of the operation don't inspire me. If, if any operation, it's always the virtues I see in the founders. That's my main focus. So after having met you, uh, got, I got to grill you a little bit. I got to talk mm -hmm. about what you're up to. Um, I was just very impressed with you as a human being. And I was like, man, I got to have this guy on the show. What's WSS Solutions? Let's hit that first. What do you do professionally? Yeah, so it stands for Wolf Strategic Systems and Solutions. So whenever you look at WSS and the way of the wolf, there's definitely a wolf theme. And yeah. a lot of that just comes from whenever you, you see wolf packs, there's always the alpha who's the leader, who's taking care of the pack and always looking out for them. And that is just something that has just resonated with me. And wolves are extremely beautiful creatures. They're self-sufficient. I mean, very, very impressive animals. So whenever I discovered that I have this passion of leadership, it was, I'm going to say six to seven years ago. Before that, I had a career in information technology. I was that individual contributor. And Which just kind is of shocking. I'm just going to say that is just, yeah. you do not fit. If I have to stereotype. You know, something about the size of your cannons, I mean, arms, that says not IT. Um, so <laughs> did you get that comment often when they, are you the IT guy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so here's the thing. So the majority of my career, I was that introverted IT nerd to myself, keyboard warrior, holed up in my office and loved data center architecture, WAN design, all of that nerdy, geeky stuff. And I was able to accomplish a, a decent level of success in my career. I made it to the IT director level at a publicly traded oil and gas company. I've actually gone through a few IPOs at oil and gas companies. And in my mid-30s, I, I kind of started grappling because I grew up with, with not a lot of money and, and not really a, a stable father figure in the home. And um, very quiet, shy and reserved, but I knew I wanted to do big things. And in hindsight, it was almost like I had this chip on my shoulder. Like I was going to accomplish big things. <clears throat> and by most standards, I was able to accomplish pretty big things. I had a nice salary, a home and cars and, and big director title. But by my mid thirties, I just wasn't fulfilled which was very confusing for me. And I grappled with it for a little bit. And ultimately I came to realize that I, I wasn't being challenged and I just needed something to, to really push me and challenge me. And the first four years that I was at the, this particular company, we had had four VPs of HR come and go, mm. just revolving door. And I was the director of IT at the time. And after the fourth one departed, I actually raised my hand and said, could I lead HR? And I reported the CEO at the time and she kind of scratched you. It's like, what? You're the <laughs> doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> and actually I have to commend her. She was phenomenal in, in terms of how she handled that conversation. She sat back, she listened intently. And I said, you know, I kind of talked through my ideas and why I felt I could step up and, and manage the HR team. And at the end of it, she leaned in and she said, Sean, it's people like you that make this company so great. 
It's people like you that are going to continue to make this company so great. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. That being said, we appreciate everything you're doing. We're going to hire an HR professional that knows what they're doing. That's so common. God, just twist it. I was like, yes, ma'am. Understood. That logic checks out. So the, the, the next day she sent me an email and once again, thanking me for my time and, and, and all of that. In the last sentence, it said, if you'd like to discuss this further, my door's always open. And I thought, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> right. <laughs> so a few days later, knock on her door. Hey, me again. And I, I went back in with even more intentionality and I didn't hold back. I shared what I had observed with all of the previous HR leaders and said they were great people, but we had developed a pattern of hiring HR managers and putting them in VP level roles. And I said, I don't know payroll processes. I don't know employment law. I can learn those things, but what I do know is structure. I know how to improve processes and I know how to bring teams together to operate as a cohesive unit. Right. And so a few days go by and they offered me the role of director of HR at the time. Wow. And I stepped in and it, it was like drinking from a fire hose. Now, thankfully, we had already started building a really strong IT team and they were pretty mm -hmm. self-sufficient, which gave me the bandwidth that I needed to be able to step into an entirely new functional domain and start learning how to lead human resources. And in that process of learning human resources, understanding employment law, building teams, and navigating very challenging conversations, and I say challenging in that I stepped in, there were seven HR managers that reported to me, six of them wholeheartedly believed they were going to be the next HR director. Right. So then they I already, had to have uncomfortable conversations a, a of why is the IT here. guy now my boss? <laughs> right. <clears throat> So not an easy conversation to have, but it helped me develop skills around crucial conversations. Phenomenal book, by the way, Crucial Conversations, if you've never read it. Huh. So, so I started learning. And in the, after the first year, the well, initially, whenever I went in, I said, can you give me six months to a year? Let me create this foundation after that year. I will step back. We'll bring in a seasoned HR executive that can launch off of that foundation. Well, after the first year, everything was running so phenomenally well. They said, you're going to keep HR. So great experience getting out of my comfort zone. It was not easy at all. But in that process and then all subsequent years, I have come to this realization of leadership development, coaching, mentoring, guiding people. It is my purpose in life, which is why I started the podcast, which is why I started WSS Solutions, is because I want to positively impact the generational legacy of everybody that I get to work with. So what and and then let me go ahead and fast forward a little bit. So IT and HR, and then three and a half years ago, they also gave me safety and transportation. They had me start ESG and a PMO right. office. So a lot of different functional domains. When the you were in came, essence an entrepreneur, <clears throat> pretty much. Yeah, what that's called. You know, there you're given the domain and the space to be able to do it. You you earned uh, that that trust. Um, not the trust should have to be earned actually when when you are working with people who are of high caliber but you did earn it and you went through you paid your dues on it and yep. now like they would be stupid to not give you that yep. opportunity to then replicate the process in other departments exactly and so the opportunities that i had to learn how to jump into all these different functional domains, the opportunities that I was given to learn more about the operations of the business, the financials of the business, being part of the IPO process. It was just such an incredible experience. I was with them for a little bit mm -hmm. over a decade. And ultimately I had gotten to a point to where I'd kind of reached the pinnacle of what I could accomplish at that organization and decided that I wanted to have an even greater impact on more than just one company with, with the right. teams that I was fortunate to lead. And so I stepped off and started WSS Solutions. And we have two pretty much primary verticals. We do consulting and then the leadership development side of it. And the consulting is IT and HR, operational excellence. 
But the reason I wanted to focus on these two verticals was because they're very complementary of one another. Yep. Over the years, we would engage a consulting firm to help us with an ERP implementation, HRIS implementation, or integration of an acquisition. And then also we had engaged leadership development firms. I'm passionate about both and thought, can we do both? And in all of my market research, there's a lot of companies that do leadership development, obviously a lot of management consulting companies, but very few do both and actually blend those together. And I mm -hmm. thought if we get in the door and start focusing on an ERP implementation or an integration, it gives us exposure to all the people in the leadership team where we can see firsthand the strengths and weaknesses of the leaders in the organization. Absolutely. And then the coaching can come in and start coaching and mentoring them with a tailored program that works exactly for their needs, as opposed to most firms coming in and just casting a wide net and teaching all things leadership and maybe half of it sticking. We right. build an approach. Ah, you're generous. And a <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't pull punches about industry stats, man. 96% of businesses fail within 10 years, 4% mm -hmm. survive. And when you've created, you know, there's a reason why people don't want to live in modular homes, right? A modular home, a stack of Legos yeah. that can be ripped to shreds by any hurricane, you know, or any tornado. Yeah. We've got businesses that don't even have the infrastructure of a well-built modular home. They're like modular, they're not even using Legos. They're using all sorts of crap to put stuff together. There's almost no infrastructure. And so when you have leadership separate from the building of culture or the building of operations and infrastructure, yeah, I know exactly what's gonna happen. You're not yeah. getting my money in bed. I'm not investing in you, no way. Exactly. And, and there's still a lot of businesses that grow, and I'm not gonna say thrive, but make a lot of money even though they don't have that infrastructure in place. And I think that if they had the infrastructure mm. in place, where could they be? Right. And so Absolutely. therein lies the opportunity. Right. And then therein lies the opportunity to not villainize the process. We're humans, right? We're, we're building yeah. it perfectly. And so the, the formula may be broken, you know, and I like, uh, I heard Brendan Burchard say it. Um, he said, you know, it's the people are not the problem. It's the processes. Um, right. We can separate the two, not judge the person, but fix the process that the person's trying to use. Then you can create some great results. And I agree with that concept. as well. I, I would like right. to interject that whenever yeah. I have conversations and sit on panels and speak and stuff like that, I, I talk to a lot of business leaders and they'll talk to me about, oh, I've got these supply chain issues. I've got these IT issues. I've got talent management issues. And yes, Issues in business are the reality of the world that we face it, right? Mm -hmm. That's fair. Everybody knows that. I actually will distill it down to one problem. You have a people mm -hmm. problem. If you had the right technology team in place, you wouldn't have IT issues. If you right. had the right sales staff in place, you might not have issues selling your product. If you had the I right would 100% agree yeah. with the angle, the context yeah. of that, because... Yeah. People have their their uh, inherent value um, mm -hmm. of which they are. And at the same time, we have to be willing to mold and we also have to get the right people in place. But if we get the right people in place and we don't have the processes um, in order to guide and help them, there's not enough Sean Barnes in the world who will figure that part out um, and then succeed. We end up we end up roasting or setting people up for failure that otherwise yeah. could have been awesome in the role. And, and that's, you know, I was president of a, of a particular company and the COO pulled me aside one day after like a couple of weeks of seeing my system. And he's like, Jackson, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I've been COO for 12 years, you know, in a different company, but I inherited that department from somebody who had been building it for 20 years. I don't know how to build the stuff from scratch. Like yeah. I need your help, you know? And so nurturing him, I'm so glad he was willing to admit that to me. That gave us an opportunity to start working on it together um, versus him trying to pretend that, and, and it was great. It was a great realization that if he was given the right infrastructure, he could succeed in that. So we switched his role to something where he could be successful. Um, he's still in the same amount of money um, because he was still just as valuable. Now he's more valuable to the company. Um, but he relinquished the title 
because he wasn't qualified to build that from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, right. So I, I love exactly what you're saying. Speaking of that, let's dive into the first question. What's your vision for those that you serve? Yeah, great question. Ultimately, my, my mission and or vision is to positively impact the generational legacy of everybody that we work with. That was a very broad and big statement That's beautiful. to make. That's something to ponder. But it is. And, and part of me, the, the data side of my brain is like, okay, cool. How do you quantify that impact? Well, I'm still wrapping my head around that. I don't yeah. want to put a static number on it. Like, okay, a thousand lives, a hundred thousand lives, right? Ultimately, my whenever I think about what we're doing with WSS and the podcast and some of the other big ideas that I have, it's all in the name of helping others become the best versions of themselves. And a lot of my content is very career focused and leadership focused. But when we think leadership, a lot of times we think about business, but we can be leaders in our own personal lives. We have to bring our best version of ourselves yeah. to all aspects of our life, which is why sometimes on the show, I'll have people that come on and talk about meditation and mindfulness. We talk <laughs> about fitness. We talk about nutrition because all of these things play a part in who we are so that we can bring our best self to the forefront and help others. I believe we both believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but all of those elements make a far grander impact than we're often willing to give credit for. Um, I love Steve. I think it was Steve Jobs quote. And I think he said, we're making it. We want to make a dent in the universe. Um, you know, he said that, right. And there's, mm -hmm. you know, that's not that we're going to affect a hundred lives, a thousand lives. You know, this goes, this goes to what most people have. He said that. And my thought was, I do that daily. Yeah. I love it. I actually use that. For, I, I didn't know that it originated from Steve Jobs, but yeah, I, I always, I want to put my dent in the universe. I want to help others learn how to put their dent in the universe. And that's a lot of, mm -hmm. one of the things that I run into quite a bit is people are so lost nowadays, especially kids. I say kids, you know, coming out of high school and college, they're trying to figure out, I know I was lost for mm -hmm. a, a very long time. And it wasn't until my mid to late thirties that I kind of finally figured out what my purse, my purpose and mission is, but helping people find that path. And then once they find that path, helping them get there faster, that is, it's, it's a skill that takes time to develop. And I think it comes through experience and then learning how to actually impart that knowledge on, on others. Yep. And, and for me, a lot of that is just helping people value and understand the impact of the good that they do. Um, you know, we hear about it. Uh, some people are very dismissive of the idea that, you know, just saying hello to a stranger, you know, might make that fantastic impact on their day um, and make them feel welcome. Yeah, we, we, we undermine that. We overlook it. We don't pause. That's why when you say making the generational impact, one, you're one of the few people who talks about it and make space for it. For you who are listening right now, pause the noise, right? Pause our episode. Think through what Sean just said, right? What does that mean to you and your heart? I imagine it probably aligns in pretty similar fashion to what Sean is looking at when he's meditating as well. Um, and those things are not something that we can, we can just speak through and totally get. It's, there's a deeper level connection with that. Same thing is true for all the little daily ways we can go about creating good in people's lives. Just because the world says your impact is, is minimal or doesn't matter does not actually quantify the value of what you do as a visionary. What's your vision yeah. for yourself, Sean? Oh, well, I mean, I think it's it's probably aligned with what I was just sharing a, a moment ago. It's I want to be the best version of myself. And in order to do that, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone, not just from a, a physical fitness perspective, but mentally, as much as I despise reading, I feel so much better. <laughs> and whenever I, I take the time to read and whenever I read it, it part of the reason I, I'm not going to say despise. That's probably not the right word. I like that you said it. At least you're being honest. You're, you're exploring the emotions on it. And people are yeah. like, oh, he said despise. That means he permanently feels like, nah, that's boring. Yeah, but, but like here's the thing. It's, it's a slow process for me because whenever I read, I usually read books that are um, not so much story narrative driven, but informational, educational, leadership, right. you know, things like that. 
But whenever I'm reading, I've got a highlighter, I've got a pen, I've got sticky notes. I'm going through and taking time. And it takes me a very long time to get through a book, but I'm doing everything I can to extract as much knowledge as I can from that book. Exactly. You know, I've had guests that come on my show and they're like, well, I I read, you know, 150 bucks uh, books this year. Cool. How many of them, how much of that knowledge did you actually retain in the next step is how much of that knowledge did you actually share or impart on on others, right? So right. the the process of of reading it it takes a little while, but but I know that in this world of instant gratification, things worthwhile just take time. And to kind of go back to impacting the generational legacy, you think of all of the people in the world that have accomplished really big things, and then consider the timelines that they think in. When people start talking in in decades and generations, that's big stuff. And most people, this this device right here that we have in our hands, in the world has been constructed in a way of instant gratification. And so anything that takes a little bit too long, people just lose sight of. And they're like, oh, that, that's too much work. I don't want to do that. And, right. and that layers into yeah. entrepreneurship and, and stuff like that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's sad. Um, it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. sad for them. Um, it's an it opportunity is. to, there's an opportunity there to to slow down, look at things, uh, you know, from a new angle. Does not make it? I, I would, I would contest to those who read fast. Um, you know, they, they may have a different type of discovery, um, and they, they may be able to grasp concepts at higher levels. Um, you know, that I would need, you know, to, to touch the surface on. Um, and to your point though, with, with reading it at the stage I'm at in business, I need to be very intentional about what it is that I'm diving deep into tribal leadership. I've read 50 pages of, I read it uh, all in in one, two sittings. Um, it took like 20 pages of notes on a 50-page portion of the book. And then I began to talk about it with all my mentors, with some of my prospects, and some of my interviews like this. And, I've, and I, I took a four-month break from the book. Uh, I will go back. It's an amazing book. But the depth of knowledge that it's giving me and the amount that I need to do to implement what I learned on that is so profound that that book's taking far more time from me than than uh, than most that I've read. But that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, same thing. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have the blessing of being that type of diligent student and learner um, as, a, as a visionary. If you're on the starting mm-hmm. starting point of that path and you don't like to read books, um, or you don't feel like golf to that, listen to the audio. You know, I, I use Audible a lot for what I do as well. Let's dive into a dark subject, Sean. What is your worst leadership experience ever? This can be your own. This can be one that somebody else had. This could be one you saw in a movie. Well, let's really get in, into the depths of, of darkness on this. What's that worst leadership experience look like? Oh, man. So this is going to be an interesting story. I had at, at one of the companies that I worked for. Oh, man, there's there's a lot. Okay. <clears throat> I had a boss years ago. I reported in through the finance function at that point in time. This is probably 15 years ago. And reported the vice president of finance. And I was dead set that he despised me more than anything in this world. I, I've always been intrinsically driven and and focused on being a high achiever and always uh, delivering above expectations. Nothing I ever did was good enough. Huh. We go in and have group team meetings and I would have pages and pages of notes and I'd go through all this stuff that our team was doing and everything that we were doing, all the project deadlines we met. Da, da, da. And well, why don't you have this? Well, what's wrong? Why don't you have that? And then, and then it would pass over to our applications manager, and he would have like three bullets that he had jotted down on a with a pen and paper while I was talking. And then it was just like, oh my god, Steve, you're amazing, right? And I would get just ripped to shreds on a regular basis. Like this is the the aggressive, yelling, angry, micromanaging boss. Like to give you a sense of, it's like at that point in time, I had about a four four and a half million dollar budget. There's one evening, 9.30 at night, still stuck at the office on this spreadsheet that had hundreds of rows and columns and everything. He came over one of my cells with 36 cents off, and he came over and ripped into me on a $4.5 million budget. 
Like there were times and I'm embarrassed to admit this. There were times when I would go home and actually cry thinking, my God, there's nothing that I can do here. Now, in looking back after I got out of that situation, I came to develop an appreciation for the things that I learned from having him as a boss. I learned how to put budgets together. I learned how to understand data. I understand. I learned a lot about Excel, data manipulation, cleanup, structure, things like that. And I also learned how to never treat anyone on my team. Right. So while as challenging as that situation was, <clears throat> there is always a silver lining. It doesn't matter how difficult the situations are with your boss. It doesn't matter how much you despise them. There is a silver lining. We have to find it. Sometimes that's tough. Now, interesting point, six years ago, I happened to run into him. I did a little bit of freelance consulting on the side, and he was a consultant for the same company. And after having a conversation with the president of, of that consulting company, he said, yeah, I was actually having a conversation with him and he shared with me how much you always impressed him. How crazy is that? My perspective was this man despised me with every fiber of his being and would send me home in tears. And years later, he's sharing with the president of a consulting firm how much I impressed him. So it's crazy how our perspective and how we can get in our own minds and how important it is for us to always seek that silver lining and understand that our perception is not absolute reality. And we have to be aware of that. Mike Trout, man, if, you, if your mic could fall, I'd, I'd love to see it happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going, though, because that's just just too beautiful, <clears throat> too well said. Um, I hope those of you who've uh, I hope those of you who are in a current relationship that's toxic or that is struggling as you find your way out or creating separation for either safety or health that you have the capacity later to breathe and think through, okay, I'm drawing a healthy boundary here. I'm not going to be like this to others. I'm not going to allow people to be like that to me um, in a way that, that affects that tears me down. And at the same time, I'm going to look at what did I, what did I learn from this experience? What are the good things I got out of this? Um, I've seen it in my own life. Appreciate you for sharing that. Brought some mm -hmm. things to the surface that I can meditate on later. <laughs> What's the best leadership experience? Um, what does that look like? What's your, you know, favorite ex favorite experience? The one that just you know feels like Mighty Ducks or feels like Remember the Titans, <laughs> etc. Man, these are good questions. Surprisingly, I haven't really thought a whole lot about these. I'm flashing back to. A, a mentor and now friend of mine, he at the time was our, our director of IT. I was responsible for global infrastructure and, and had a team of about 20 engineers. <clears throat> we had a, a SAN outage at one of our data centers. Myself and my lead engineer, we were in the data center. We were doing a, a routine firmware upgrade that went horribly, horribly wrong. Ended up taking down our SAN. Uh, it's a uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a it's a uh, certain type of server that stores a lot of data. <clears throat> and when that server went down, the entire corporation globally, think thirty six hundred employees, could not do anything. So. I know this is what is my best leadership experience. So I know that sounds really bad to start off with myself sure. and my lead engineer, Austin, we were in the data center working with Dell Equalogic engineers for 36 hours straight. Mm. Didn't go home, didn't sleep, had food brought in. Like it was horrendous. And some weird things start to happen once you're awake for 42 <laughs> to 45 hours straight. Yep. We could get into like sidebar conversations. Now, very challenging. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we got everything back online. That outage, rough estimates, cost the corporation to $2.5 million. Uh, very, very uh, stressful time for me. Now, during that entire time, my 
only engagement with the business was to our director. His name is Stacy. Was with him. Now you can imagine how many executives in a publicly traded oil and gas company were freaking out that nobody could do anything. Why it was the best leadership experience was because I felt zero pressure from the people in the business. He shielded me and Austin from all of that pressure. Wow. Uh, I was already stressed out enough thinking I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, I don't have a job. Like I'm going to get the server online, but I will not have a job after this is all said and done. After it was all said and done, Austin and I both went home. We got some rest, got some sleep. We came back in, sat down, sweating bullets. Stacy said, talk me through it. So we talked him through it and he said, how would we prevent this from happening again in the future? And I said, well, you know, we probably should have done this. We probably should have done this. He's like, think bigger. I said, okay, well, we need to do this and this. And I said, okay. He said, if you had to architect an environment where this would never be an issue again, what would it look like? And I was like, well, it would look like a lot of money, Stacy. He's like, what would it look like? Draw it for me. We drew it up on the board. <clears throat> we built this environment. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous because it was everything was redundant, redundancies upon redundancies, layer mm -hmm. upon layer. And I'm thinking just the dollar signs just adding yeah. up. And he's finally said, stop worrying about the money. Show me what it looks like. Right. And we did. We spent probably six hours in the conference room drawing it out. <clears throat> and after it was said and done, he took a picture of it and he said, okay, y'all go home. We went home, came back the next day. We had a $4 million AFE queued up and said, go make it happen. So I was given nine months to build an entirely new data center environment with my team. He shielded us from all of that pressure. He used it as an opportunity to get exactly what we needed to build something phenomenal. Now, this was an example of what real leadership looks like. That's People are gonna make mistakes. Really Servers are going to go down. That is expected. Real leadership involves protecting your team and setting them up for future success and ensuring they have all the tools necessary to achieve the things that they're capable of achieving. And in that moment, I didn't think I was capable of achieving anything. I thought my career was over, but yeah. he saw something in me and he trusted me and he took a chance on me and... I will never forget that. There are so many underlying lessons, again, to, to meditate on the depth of the story that you just shared. Um, I'll do some quick open meditation on it. Number one, one of the things that I catch in just the instant um, <clears throat> instant realizations is that was a $2 million to $2.5 million loss, right? The solution that's come up with is $4 million and, and nine months. However, if you look at the flip side of this, what if you and Austin had cracked under the pressure of the experience to begin with? Um, you know, if that had happened, it would not have been a $2 million loss or 2.5. It could have been, who knows, north of three, four, five, ten million. And so by putting that redundancy in place, he's not only making sure that the, the systems are improving and they're being protected from, oh yeah, we'll, we'll just have Austin and Sean come in and fix it next time. There might not, you not, yeah, might not be willing to. The next time either so th there's all sorts of of again there's so many different disciplines lessons i understand now what came to my mind as you're telling this story too is there's 0.3 seconds left on the clock in a basketball game and your team is down by one um and you got fouled and you're going to the free throw line and in the world of business what i see happen time and time again from leaders and again, not championship level behaviors is the coach from the sideline going, Hey, you know, if you miss that, we're going to lose, right? <laughs> hey, you know, you know, like this is all coming down to you. Um, you know, everybody in the stands is counting on you. And if you don't do this, we're, we're not going to make the history books for the right reason. Um, you know, that, and it's never that loud, right? It's not from the sidelines. It's that entrepreneur who's in your ear or that, 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 you know, director who's saying, you know, or it's that assistant coach, right? The assistant director is supposed to be part of the team. And it's like, Hey, 
you know, if he misses that, we're screwed. Um, you know, uh, you know, I say, does he really have the capability to make that? What you know, the other team's player does a better job of making these than he does. That is so common yeah. in the business world. What Stacy did uh, to to give you that space to shield and protect you while you are basically playing heart surgeon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the operation mm-hmm. um, and 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 in it, it's phenomenal. That's really cool. All right, let's move into one other massive question. Um, we are, we're a little bit behind today, so I want to make sure to respect your time, Sean. Yeah. How are you doing on time? Do you have I'm a good. Time? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, um, I'm good. definitely with busyness of holidays and all that too. I don't want to. I don't want to overstep my bounds on this, but I'm I'm loving this. Um, so we're gonna go deep. So, if this was the last opportunity you had to share a powerful lesson with people. Right. In this case, visionaries, what's what powerful lesson would you share with visionaries that they can learn from your experience? Lead with kindness and candor. That can be extremely challenging whenever the pressures of business, the pressures of the world come crashing down on us. Our role as leaders, once again, is to shield our team from that pressure we are responsible for stopping pressure at our level to ensure that our teams can do the things that they need to do and the things that they are capable of doing you applying pressure on them is not going to help them solve the problem any faster now i will add a caveat to that when it comes to developing people on your team as a leader there are times when we need to bleed off some of that pressure and let them feel and experience that pressure, but making sure that it's not too much that they crack under all of that pressure. And that is an art as a leader to know the people on your team, what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, and pushing them to constantly be better. And as people start to reach and approach their limits, they're going to start to break down and crack in certain different ways. When you see that happening, you have to relieve the pressure, let them finish up whatever it is they're working on. After the fact, you regroup with them, have a conversation and say, Jason, I noticed whenever this was happening, this is how you responded. How can we stop that from happening again in the future? Are there skills that we can build and develop to help ensure that that doesn't happen in the future. Have you ever read the book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman? I haven't, but it's going on the list along with crucial conversations. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. And, and I know this is going to be a little bit of a long winded response. So if I need to, if you need to cut me off, please feel free to do so. But the book, they started doing a study because they wanted to figure out what determines a great leader versus a bad leader or a poor leader. Mm -hmm. undeveloped leader, whatever term you want to use. And they started interviewing people. And some people, their their metric was, okay, how do you, uh, what percentage output did this leader get from you versus this leader? And some people like, oh yeah, I was phoning it in, you know, I was only half in all that. And then other people would say, well, this leader got 110, 120% out of me. And at first they just threw that out as erroneous data because 100% is as much as you can do. Now, when they started digging into it, what they came to realize is these leaders were stretching people beyond their limits, beyond that 100%. And when you stretch, it's like developing any sort of muscle. You push it, you build it, and it becomes better. So what was Sean's 100% then became, and and I stretched up to 100%, 110% of my capacity, That 110%, once I got familiar with it and comfortable with it, became my new 100%. Right. And so when you think about leaders, we need to think of ourselves as force multipliers. We are here to extract the most out of people, to build and develop them in a way so that they can perform at their absolute best. Yeah. That is our role as leaders in business, as leaders in life. We need to encourage and motivate and inspire people to become the absolute best versions of themselves and show them and guide them how to get there. I love that. Um, and I love that you and I come, I don't want to say at two different angles because the the circumstances are going to adjust 
the the temperament with which we come in and do things. My natural tendency is to nurture and heal, though. Um, and we have a market that, in in large parts, um, the digital world is is moving so far towards stretching um, and towards towards moving people outside of their comfort zone that it's become kind of a forced situation. I wear this rubber band. Um, I don't wear it for looks, um, by the way. It's it's just a rubber band. Fashionable. Um, and uh, it is to get to the golf course, though. So. Um, but I use it more often than not in this particular analogy and statement. Vision pros who are listening, um, if I stretch this rubber band on my wrist and I, sh- you know, I'm, 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 certainly exercising, putting it at an, an uncomfortable strain for itself. What happens if I stretch this rubber band too far, though? Break. That's right. Some people say it'll snap you. It'll hurt. Um, <laughs> okay, we got other limiting beliefs to work on if the rubber band snapping you traumatizes you. Okay, let's go, <laughs> go on to what you said, though. It will break. If we push people too mm-hmm. far out of their comfort zone, you know, or if the entrepreneur decides that to be manipulated into that. Oh, and again, there's so many people who sell with this. Your best results are outside of your comfort zone. And that's why you should be working with us. Um, you know, we haven't provided any proof as to why you should work with us, but you should feel that internal pressure um, and, and allow me to manipulate you into that. If we break entrepreneurs and we break people in the process of stretching them, much like pulling a muscle, um, you know, or worse, um, dislocating something or worse, breaking our bodies, um, you know, experiencing death. No, it wasn't a good idea to stretch that far. Um, so it comes back to what you talked about earlier of balance. And that's what I appreciate is I tend to over nurture helicopter a little bit and, and, and say, Hey, like, I see you trying to reach your toes. Let me do that for you. Um, you know, <laughs> that's not helpful either. Yeah. We want to help people. Um, and I, and I love that your focus, you said in the, again, on the podcast, um, you work on becoming your best self, right? If I work on becoming my best self, we inspire others to become their best self and we help each other remain accountable to those processes. Then leadership development is taking place. A culture is being cultivated, um, you know, where everybody is now performing at their best and the coaching process becomes something that is healthy and beneficial to all while being appreciated by all. And I love what you stand for, Sean. This has been an awesome interview. Appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely, man. So vision pros who are out there, you have a vision you'd like to share. Um, you know, even if you're in the developing stages um, and you don't have these million dollar experiences, budget experiences that Sean's talking about, you know, you, you're on a project, could be passionate, could be about um, parenting. Like we just had CJ Scarlett on it. It could be about saving the forests. Um, it could be about entrepreneurship and leadership. Again, we have such a lack of, of, true principally driven leadership in the world that it's so important for us to gather more leaders onto this stage and and hear different paradigms and perspectives that's why we do what we do we'd love to have you on the show if you have questions for sean um of course you can reach out to him directly we'll have the links in the show notes to get access to the resources he's mentioned the resources he puts out into the world um i'd highly recommend subscribing to his show i will absolutely be subscribing to the way of the wolf after we get off this conversation In addition to that, we'll have the books mentioned on there too. Crucial Conversations, Multipliers, uh, both sound like excellent reading materials, Tribal Leadership. Uh, We really appreciate always being able to give more. If you have advice for us on how to improve both our shows as well, you can tell Sean's the type of leader who's looking forward to that as well. So without further ado, everybody, have a fantastic rest of your day. And thank you so much for joining us on Vision Pros Live. Sean, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent 